The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. You are listening and watching to The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And this is season two, episode nine of The Baptist and the Buddhist. Go figure. Yeah, no kidding. How many How many episodes was season one? I can't like remember. 15 or 12 or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember either. Um, and I don't, honestly, we don't even know how long season two is going to run. So this might be the last season that will run for like three years. This might be the last episode. No, I'm kidding. It's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of our podcast, which you are listening to slash viewing, you can also contact the podcast as well at baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com and you can find us everywhere on the internet we have a presence we are on youtube youtube that's one of our biggest platforms we stream live directly to youtube like you're basically a screen away from from meeting us in person it's kind of creepy actually um just one electronic you know veil yeah it really is and it's Kind of sometimes I, it's it makes me wonder. No, oh. um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and the the uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Reddit, we're on TikTok. You're on the TikToks, but don't with all the cool kids. But don't think we're active all the time. <laughs> don't think we're active at all. Yeah, not really. I mean, we're active in our lives outside of the podcast, but we do want to make sure you you're lives are enriched with po- podcast content which you can binge or just keep up oh it's like oh yeah here's my bi-weekly update from the baptist and the buddhist what are they going to yeah, rant about today we know you're probably starved of podcast material yes um, so not enough out there so, so today we want to, to break your fast of podcasts and talk about fasting this episode is the fast and the curious 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 about about fasting yes (laughs) (laughs) we didn't even practice that guys so last week we talked about food which we all eat i'm I'm presuming and today we're going to talk about not food which we all don't eat i'm presuming no (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting myself in a weird all of us that I can't untie. Eat, all of us don't eat at some point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The most important meal of the day literally breaks a fast from dinner time or midnight snack or late night partying. And then in the morning, it's that fast that's because you haven't eaten all, all, I haven't eaten all night. It's true because you're asleep most of the time. Unless you sleepwalk into the kitchen and eat. Yeah, I think I knew someone that sleep ate. And it was kind of scary. Man. (laughs) So fasting, what is fasting? What is fasting? fasting? That's a good question. I mean, fasting from at least like a religious standpoint is a time of refraining from eating for a purpose (laughs) whether that purpose be uh symbolic whether it be a practical application to a spiritual path um the there are a wide variety of reasons to fast from a spiritual perspective um but i think we could probably agree that it's that Real, like spiritual fasting is not a diet <laughs> um it's not for you know health reasons right um which there are health reason fasts sometimes yes if you want to like cleanse yourself or whatever yeah people do intermittent fasting yeah exactly um, 
Yeah, those are all valid reasons. Those are not things we are going to talk about necessarily in this episode because we are talking about fasting from a Baptist and a Buddhist perspective. You're assuming... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, you're pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a Baptist perspective, like, fasting is evil. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's always a joke that Baptists are just fat and, like, we just like eating all the time. Um, <clears throat> I honestly, before you even start, I have no idea what you're going to say about fasting. I can't even think of, like, <laughs> short of, like, biblical references to fasting. How does fasting come into play in a Baptist lifestyle, well, I guess? Normally in Baptist circles, um, the only fasting we do is we run fast to the buffet. No, I'm kidding. I'll stop there. I'll stop there. <laughs> 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 to the potluck um, <laughs> no um man there there's there's so much about fasting especially in the old testament and just a really quick study that i did um, and i i've studied fasting before in the past i've heard people teach on fasting and there are so many different like thoughts about fasting out there it's kind of weird like like a lot of people have different ideas about fasting. Um, usually, in a in a Baptist or a you know generally Christian, maybe even just an evangelical circle of fasting uh, or of belief, fasting means going without food and water. And I think they usually prescribe that definition based off of um, Moses in Exodus. Um, he was up on the mount. Uh, Mount Sinai uh, with with God for 40 days and 40 nights and uh, uh, well no it might not have been Moses it's in Exodus 34 um, it says and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights neither did he eat bread nor drink water and he wrote upon the tables of the words of the covenant so yeah this is Moses up on Mount Sinai the, the Ten Commandments so he fasted basically he didn't eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights which like humanly speaking is impossible we also see in matthew 4 that uh jesus did the same thing he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights he didn't eat he didn't drink just like moses and some people will even speculate that paul did this as well because he went into arabia for an unknown amount of time people will say well it has to be 40 days and 40 nights because that's what moses did and that's what jesus did so why not paul sure okay um but G uh, jesus did that as well um so seeing that supreme example of fasting no food no water you have to do it for 40 days. No, I'm kidding. You don't. Because um, that's humanly impossible without divine intervention these days. Um, it's dangerous. That is dangerous. Don't, don't but do in, in Moses's and Jesus's examples and maybe Paul's, they had direct divine uh, connection and reason for all of this. And God can sustain them through no food and no water for reason. Um, in some places, the Bible talks about um, uh, having no music, no lotions. Like it gets kind of specific with certain people's fastings. It's not specifically like fast with no music and no lotions. But I think it was um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel. I think when Daniel was in the lion den, he. I think this is what it was. Don't quote me on it, but I think he was like so worried about Daniel because he felt so bad putting him like having him put into the lion's den that he didn't, he fasted and he didn't want music and didn't want lotions. Um, a lot of times when it's, when the Bible talks about fasting, especially in the old Testament with the nation of Israel, there's weeping. They put sackcloth on and they covered themselves with ashes, much like what Job did when all of he, all of his livelihood was destroyed. Um, but like, what is the purpose behind fasting? Why do you, why do people fast? Why do Christians fast? Um, and the Bible talks about 
the effect fasting has. It talks about in Psalm 35, it talks about humbling my soul. So it humbles my soul. And I don't think it just humbles your soul. I think it humbles your body. And I think that's really the specific reason for fasting. Um, A lot of times the Bible talks about being faint or weak in, in fasting. And really like the way I look at it, um, well, there's one huge element that I want to bring up with fasting in the Bible, but I, I brought up Jesus was, uh, was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and the tempter came, Satan came and tempted him with many things. And I, it's a really interesting passage, um, but there's one thing that he says in there that I'm gonna that I'm going to talk about. Um, let's see here. Well, um, I'll jump to that later because there, there's another good one. So in in Matthew four, it talks about Jesus fasting. Um, Jesus when in just in verse one, it's like then was Jesus led up uh, led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Well, yeah, because he, he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights or sometime in sometime in there. Um, and then when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God command that these stones be made of bread. It's like, Hey, the devil always has these like conv- tried it. He's like a sleazy car salesman. Sometimes, sometimes he's a really good car salesman, but, uh, <laughs> then, uh, and God or Jesus always answers back with scripture, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. It's like, Hey, cast thyself down for it's written. And this is Satan trying to quote scripture back to Jesus, which Satan likes to do that. He, he shall give an angel charge or he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou shalt, uh, thou, or thou dash thy foot against a stone. It's like, Hey, the angels are going to protect you. Like you're not even going to hit your stub, your toe on the stone. Like I'm suffering with a sprained toe, big toe right now. Um, like Jesus wouldn't even suffer with that. Like you have the angels at your command. And then Jesus said, it's written, uh, thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And then the Satan takes him up to a high mountain and showed him the uh, kingdoms of the world and uh, said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So like Satan, he has dominion over these things he's showing him right now. Like it's no secret that like Satan has dominion over the earth and the kingdoms of the earth um, and of the world. And Satan's like, hey, if you just worship me, I'll give these to you. Like you don't even have to try to take it. And said, then Jesus said unto him, Get thee, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So, like, part of this fasting, especially in a a spiritual realm kind, sort of way, was a dire- with Jesus, it was a direct uh, face-to-face with Satan. And he was giving him all these promises, trying to tempt him and seeing fasting in this light. Like not only was he starving, but he was also like directly being tempted by Satan, Um, which I mean, you can apply to the principle of fasting that you're supposed to be withstanding temptation um, especially when you want to make that man, that rock looks good. It looks like a, it looks like I could just make it into a loaf of bread. <laughs> Some rocks look delicious. <laughs> um, and then, so I thought that was a really interesting uh, passage on fasting, especially with Jesus fasting there. And then in Matthew six, he gives a really interesting. Um, directive with fasting he says moreover when ye fast be not as the hypocrite of sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast verily i say unto you 
that they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which uh, seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So he's talking to um, his disciples. He's talking about, uh, he's talking to Israel. He's talking to them about fasting. And he's like, hey, when you fast, like, don't make it look like you're fasting. Don't like, oh, I'm starving. Like, just appear yourself because fasting's not an outwardly thing that you're going to gain from. Um, but what does fasting have to do anything with spiritual, a spiritual walk? Almost every time you see fasting, it's fasting and prayer. Like, you're praying when you fast and it almost like, why do you fast when you're praying? It almost takes your, it almost makes you like, okay, I'm starving, but I have to ignore, I have to like ignore the fact that I'm starving and separate myself from my body, from my flesh and replace it with hunger for God and like hunger for spiritual things, um, and weaken the body. There are some, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot to say with weakening the flesh because we're still in the flesh we're not bound to the flesh when, when once we're saved we're our soul and spirit are spiritually circumcised from the flesh itself but we're still dwelling in the flesh we're still in the in this body that has almost a mind of its own and almost a will of its own and we basically have we were basically battling against the will of the flesh and our will and our will of like from our soul versus God's will in the spirit. So it, it it's like a three-way battle sometimes, but in this way you're weakening your flesh, <clears throat> you're weakening your body and you are communicating to God in prayer for almost a more like refined prayer, if you will, but it's to make one, weak and in uh second corinthians 12 it talks about um this is a famous passage where paul talks about um, a messenger from satan uh buffeting him three times and some people say oh it was because it's because he had his eye like he didn't have good eyesight well i think it the the this um this thing that really, I think he calls it a thorn in the flesh. This thorn in the flesh was the messenger from Satan to buffet him. Um, I don't know if we have to like read into it any more than that, but he, he, Paul besought, it says he besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from him. Um, so like he has this weakness, he has this like thorn in his flesh. That's like, man, I just really want to get rid of this. Um, and then God uh, responds by saying, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul, Paul was saying that. So really, like in man's weakness, God's strength is made perfect. And even, I mean, even... Um, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So even like in our weakness, like even in God's so-called weakness, it's still stronger than our strength. So when we get really low with our strength and our weakness, uh, God's strength shows through. So like in our spiritual walk, it helps us to be more connected to the spirit and less connected to the flesh if we're fasting. And that, that kind of goes back to last week, how like some people like, I only take cold showers to, to reject the flesh. And, you know, like only I eat cornflakes with no sugar or something like that, you know, <laughs> um, without any milk, <laughs> without any milk. Um, so it, it, it talks about, uh, it talks a lot about the like being weak and faint. Paul always uh, Paul mentioned a few times like, "Hey, I came to you guys in in weakness and trembling and fear." 
Like I didn't come in my own power. And that was first Corinthians two or maybe one leading into first Corinthians two, which talks about the difference between the spirit of man, like the natural man and the spirit of God, like a man having the spirit of God and the contrast there. Um, but, uh, I did want to look at one verse that I had down here. So, so prayer is basically always coupled with fasting. Like fasting is like almost an extreme, uh, session of prayer time. Um, and it's again, it's like to reject the flesh, reject earthly things. Um, cause the Paul says the things of this world, the, the temporal things of this world are going to vanish, but like the things that are unseen are eternal. Um, so we want to like, it's kind of in a season of us trying to focus on that. Um, and fasting had some really interesting application back when, when Christ was on the earth and there was more an emphasis on the earth with, with the nation of Israel and working all these miracles to cleanse Israel. Um, and, <laughs> I, I thought this was really interesting and it kind of shows like a direct connection. Somehow this, this fasting and prayer has some direct connection with how the spiritual realm works. And it, it's, it's really weird. So, um, Jesus was talking to some of his disciples, um, and his disciples were trying to do the work that Jesus told them to do. And he, they were trying to cast out a devil, a, a spirit. And let me see. In Mark 9, it talks about it. I think it talks about it in Matthew 2. Um, and, you know, he does his thing. Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him. So like the spirit was, this guy was possessed with the spirit. And <clears throat> he was as one dead in so much that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And so his disciples were like, hey, you told us to do this, but like, why couldn't we cast this spirit out? Like, this is weird. And he said unto him, uh, this, can, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And then uh, he just kind of leaves it at that. Uh, it's like, okay, this specific kind of spirit, I don't know if it's like a specific rank or like species of a spiritual spirit, but um, or the way that it was possessing this guy or whatever, but somehow it could only be uh, cast out by prayer and fasting. So it was, it's this some kind of weird spiritual realm relationship with the, with the prayer and fasting, you know, maybe not being so attached to the, the flesh and more in the, in a spiritual mindset to cast this devil out somehow with the, with the power that Jesus gave them and with the power that Jesus had. Um, so it was, it was, that was probably the weirdest thing about fasting that I saw in the Bible was that like, why couldn't we do that? It's like, Oh, you can't take care of these guys except you pray and fast. Oh, okay. I'm going to write that one down. Right, note to self, this one don't eat before. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, prayer and fasting are always coupled together, just like in that sense. Um, and, you know, Paul doesn't say a whole lot about fasting besides what I um, might have already read. I don't know if I actually read any of Paul's specific writings on fasting. Um, because, you know, we for this day and age, we, we go to Paul's writings because he's the apostle to the Gentiles apostle with the gospel of the grace of God for this day and age. 
Um, he does say something very interesting about fasting. I, I forgot to put a note down about this, but um, he talks about um, a couple. Um, it's defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. He's talking about like uh, a couple not coming together intimately. But so like withholding from that is also part of fasting and prayer. So you have that, you have maybe fasting for music, maybe lotions, food and water. Like there's just all these different kind of things with fasting. And you see that a lot with uh, a lot of like more mo- modernized, quote unquote, Christian uh, teachings and practice that they will like do a fast for like once someone's like, I'm, I'm we've been fasting from complaining. We're not complaining for like a whole two days. Um, so there's like different like fasts, like, Oh, I'm going to a big one that you see in a lot of Christian realms. A lot in my circles don't hold to this, but is lint like, okay, I'm going to fast from it's something gonna, like, gonna I'm not going to eat chocolate for, you know, however, however many days lent lasts. I have no idea. Or like, I'm I, the big one is I'm not going to eat meat. Um, except for fish on Fridays, because back then the fishermen were suffering hard from Lent. So the Pope was like, okay, you can eat fish on Fridays then, okay? Um, and so, like, there's a big... Is that where uh, where fish fries come from? Yeah, the fish fry Fridays. Like, that, it's big <laughs> up around where I live for some reason. Like, fish oh, fries really? are huge, like, uh, during Lent. Uh, it's Wow. Yeah. I was just joking, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, There's... that that could be the origin of like, gather around for the fish fry. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if they fried fish back then, but I would if I were not eating meat. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of different fastings. Like I've fasted for two days without food and water once years and years ago, um, and that was a pretty interesting uh, experience, and. Then I haven't done that since, I don't think. But um, a lot of times people will say, like, if you're really praying hard about something, like, fast while you're doing that. And it'll give it, like, give your prayer life more emphasis on what you're praying about. So it's it's not a required thing. It's just when you do fast, like, like Jesus said, like, when you fast, it's not like fast. And this is how you're going to do it. It's like when you do, like if you ever do, it's just kind of like how uh, he said about the Lord's Prayer, which is eating and drinking. Um, like when, like as often as you do it, do it this way. Like it doesn't matter Whenever how often happens. you do it. Just like this is how you you do it. Um, so yeah. it, it's, it is really like an optional thing. If you're led to do it, if you like, okay, I need, I just need to fast and pray for a day or something. Um, I've been told before that biblically it's just no food, no water. Like that's all you have to do for fasting. But then again, you see all this different application to, uh, you know, fasting from complaint. I'm going to fast from my phone for a day, like for maybe, you know, no, no TV week, like the schools used to do. (laughs) It's just different. I think really the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of directive on how to do it or when to do it. And even like if you want to fast from other things, go for it. I I think it's really left up to discernment and the um, the decision of your own. So, I mean, in a nutshell, that's fasting from the Baptist I was, point. I was going to ask if you had ever fasted for spiritual reasons yep 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 i just that one time fasted and prayed this was probably like 10 or like eight years ago now um fasted for two days straight made sure i didn't look like it and i didn't complain about it um no food no water and then at midnight man i think i made like a frozen pizza or something (laughs) like okay i've done i've done 48 hours like that's what i wanted to do i'm eating now (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think you 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 were saying prayer and fasting were, you know, go hand in hand pretty much. And 
it makes sense when you're praying you're usually not eating so if you're if you extend that prayer for a while for a while you're not gonna eat that's true you know? <laughs> i mean a lot of christians will pray before they eat but maybe it's just a two-day long prayer <laughs> paul yeah. does say to pray without ceasing and it's not just a formal like you need your salutation, you need your body, your conclusion, and your sign-off. <laughs> like <laughs> like in the prayer episode, it, it's supposed to be like a, a spiritual mindset almost of prayer. But when you're really needing to emphasize that, stop eating. Put down that bag of chips <laughs> and then listen to your prayers. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you brought up that in um <clears throat> in the bible there were you know fasting from food but also fasting from music and lotions <clears throat> and this is oddly very similar to fasting from a buddhist perspective and let me say too like when they were fasting from music and lotions like they were fasting and withheld their music and stuff like that like so it was on top of fasting too so that's yeah so yeah i just wanted to um categorize that yeah yeah um so in 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 buddhism there is an idea of fasting and i think i touched on this a bit in the food episode where the Buddha relates his initial practice before becoming enlightened, where he was doing these very self-mortifying practices and, and he, he kind of criticizes the very austere practices of eating like one grain of rice a day. Um, and so there's kind of a like that's a very extreme fasting that he tends to not support um and i think i also touched on like the other the other end of the extreme indulging and he talks about being moderate with with your food and um and i think when fasting comes up in buddhism there's also this kind of uh, middle ground um, because the the Buddhist path is the middle way between extremes um, uh, extremes of indulgence and of you know extreme austerity and so there is a a kind of a formal fasting practice within within Buddhism um, and I don't see it too much in like my local Buddhist community, actually, I don't know if I've ever. Well, I have seen it before, but um, and it's usually done on very important big holidays. Uh, but it's also um, it it's also encouraged to do so on uh the apostatas the apostata days which are usually are on the full moon and the new moon and some traditions uh observe it on the quarter moons as well so when you're doing it that way it's like basically once a week um and if not it's twice a week um and it's it's not mandatory or anything it's kind of just a uh he recommended hey this is a really good thing to do and there's actually a sutta the the aposita sutta um and so he so i'll just read a little a tiny bit one of the first paragraphs or one of the first sentences uh the buddha says uh bhikkhus the, he's addressing some monks Bhikkhus, observed, complete, in eight factors, the Uposita is of great fruit and benefit, extraordinarily brilliant and pervasive. And then he goes on to break this these eight factors down. And these eight factors are actually eight vows that you take 
on the Oposita days, uh, and they they traditionally last 24 hours, so you're taking eight 24-hour vows every Oposita. Um, and this is... Uh, it seems like it's more prevalent in Theravada. I don't quote me on that. Um, I know my Tibetan uh, temple will sometimes offer these vows on a, a really big day. Um, like Sakadawa is one of the big like Tibetan Buddhist holidays. And so they're... They're... You know, they're, they're offered in some respect in probably most, I would say, most Buddhist traditions. I Don't quote me on that. I don't know if Mahayana Buddhism, like the various branches within that observes them. But, you know, it's mentioned in the Pali Canon. A lot of monastics will talk about it. I mean, the monastics are pretty much doing these eight vows all the time plus like 200 and something more um but this is but these this upasita practice is a really good way for lay buddhists to deepen their practice um it's it's usually seen as you know a really really good opportunity to just extraordinarily deepen your practice for a day um, like dedicate a whole day to the Dhamma pretty much. And, and even in the Sutta, he goes on to say, um, you know, a, a noble disciple reflects thus, and they, they reflect thinking, as long as they live, the Arahants abandon and abstain from the destruction of life. So that's number one. We're, we're, reflecting that the arahants live this way of refraining from destruction of life and the first value take is to refrain from the destruction of life refrain from killing um it's pretty easy to do for a whole day <laughs> um, <laughs> um but this is destruction of any life so bugs even um and you and you'll see that the first five uh vows you're taking on uposita are actually the five precepts that most lay people take forever anyway so you're not killing um but it's it's interesting because they're reflecting that this is how arahants live this is how enlightened beings live you know this is their natural tendencies so you're almost you're almost like practicing a whole day of how an enlightened person might you know, might naturally behave. So, you know, you you refrain from the, the destruction of life. You refrain from killing. Um, you refrain from stealing, from not from taking what is not given. Easy and easy enough. Um, maybe it's hard for some people. Uh, three is uh, let's see. So three is a little different than than the third normal five of the five precepts that pe that Buddhists take. Um, it's refraining from any sexual activity, while um, traditionally that's refraining from sexual misconduct, which is different. But so during Upasita, it's refraining from any sexual activity. Number four is refraining from uh, false speech, lying, you know, a lot of these are like fairly, fairly straightforward, like, oh, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, like yeah. basic, you know, decency. Um, the fifth is to refrain from, from taking intoxicants. Uh, so no alcohol, no, nothing that leads to heedlessness. Um, and the sixth one, this is where we get into Upasita like real like fasting um <clears throat> so the sixth one is not eating at the wrong times so what is the what is the wrong time to eat um when you're not hungry <laughs> i mean that's a good answer um but no so in buddhist tradition 
I, the monks live this day in and day out. Every single day, they eat one meal in the morning, and they refrain from eating afternoon until the next day. So it's not extreme mm. fasting. You're still eating for the day, and you know monks rely on alms rounds, so they're getting food from charitable lay people. Um, it's like intermittent and for fast, lay people to practice this. What? It's like intermittent fast, uh, intermittent fasting. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like this is the how m- the monks live. Like they will not eat afternoon, hmm. and you know, and so lay people are encouraged to take this precept as well on the Upasita days. Um, and I will come back to this because we are talking about fasting. So I will come back to this and like explore it a little more. The seventh vow is refraining from entertainment, from music, dancing, and the sutta even says from shows. I'm sure they're not talking about Netflix, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and also with, so the seventh vow is refraining from entertainment and, but also refraining from beautifying oneself, uh, perfumes, adornments, decorations lotions lotions (laughs) you know it probably excludes medicinal things so like um you know just like the the food probably doesn't apply to medicinal things and uh, i will come back to that um and then the last one is refraining from luxurious furniture um from high or luxurious couches or chairs or beds um, and I think I saw, a, I don't know where I read it, but it was like specifics. So, a a bed must be lower than tw- like 21 inches or something like the, the bottom of the, the bed frame needs to be lower than 21 inches off the ground or something. I don't know how, how like legit that is, but, um, it might come from the commentaries or something, but so one usually takes these eight precepts, these eight 24 hour, uh, precepts, uh, usually from a monastic, from a monk or a nun. And, uh, a lot of times on, for the Upasita, you also are like, you know, if, if you're really wanting to dedicate your day to this, you'll also wear all white to symbolize you know purity or whatnot um and a lot of people will you know if if available they'll spend all day at the temple um or you know just at home you know in your practice space uh i i saw a conversation about the Oposita on a uh, Buddhist chat thing. And, you know, someone's like, oh, well, I need to, like, do homework and study. Is that okay? It's like, yeah, that's that's probably fine. Uh, you know, you can still get stuff done. Just, you know, avoid every, the stuff you vowed not to partake in. Um, but, so going back to the, the actual food part, the fasting... Um, it's interesting when you look at it because you, you're still allowed water. You're even allowed tea, um, or in this, in in the modern times, coffee as well. Probably, um, you are allowed liquids to a certain extent. Um, no milk. That's considered a food. Um, and you're there's also <clears throat> when it comes to the monastics, at least I don't know how. Like how how much this applies to the Uposita, uh vows, but there's there's allowables. So there are things you're allowed afternoon when you're fasting, and these are to curb like the extreme pains of hunger, you know, um, or maybe your lack of energy or something. And this is they're usually like listed. I think it's like sesame oil and ghee hmm. and. Uh, even cheese and dark chocolate and uh 
pulp-free fruit juices. Um, <laughs> and and the, the idea isn't to deprive yourself of this food. It's and, and I talked about it in the food episode. The way one approaches food is that this is this is sustenance to help me sustain this body, give give me energy. And what you're doing for this practice is that you're you're kind of adopting that. It's like, okay, I eat the one meal that I need, and then the rest of the day is de- is dedicated to my practice. I'm not going to get distracted by, you know, craving for food. So it's it's maybe a little different than most fasting practices in the approach to it, but But yeah, it's it's the uh, all of the precepts, you know, you're not you're not depriving yourself of entertainment. Uh you're just in a way you're you're focusing on the practice, on the dhamma and you're encouraged to to you know, work on your meditation practice, to read the suttas, you know, to do something dhamma related. And so, yeah, I think I think that's a lot of the, the fasting aspect within Buddhism. Interesting. So there's no, like, don't eat or drink anything ever during your fast. It's just eat in the morning yeah. and then you can have dark chocolate later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's like very, very dark chocolate. But... Uh, like the 99% <laughs> stuff, like the... Yeah, it tastes I think, like a dentist glove. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, probably it, it says something more along the lines of like cocoa beans or something, you know. Okay. Um, but in modern days, it kind of translate as like dark chocolate, Hershey, special dark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've heard I've heard uh, monastics talk about that too, like how. Like you, you shouldn't abuse those allowables. Like I'm gonna have some cheese and chocolate later. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's there because they're actually also like they're called allowables, but uh, another term for them are tonics. They're they're supposed to be regarded as medicines. Like hmm. wow, like my hunger pain is pretty distracting. Like if I just take a spoonful of sesame oil, like I'm good. I remember when I was fasting for those two days brushing my teeth with the, was the best thing in the world. It's like water <laughs> on my lips. Yeah. Like in my water, some water in my mouth, I didn't swallow it or that would have that's, been breaking my fast. But that's interesting because a lot of, a lot of religious fasting practices will also, uh, you know, say no brushing of teeth or a modified version of brushing your teeth without water. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I don't think the Bible talks about brushing your teeth like that. So the Buddha talks about brushing teeth. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of our funny, kind of joking, but really not um, episode topics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. I recently found a community who actually, like, an online community who actually, you know observes the upasita uh vows and which i've i've never really you know i don't my own community doesn't do that so i've never had the opportunity to join in with with people to try that Hmm. until recently and so it was it's like a community it's a really small online presence but it's led by a monastic and you generally traditionally take the vows from a monastic. So like, that's what we did on zoom. And hmm. it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, I, I have done it once before, I think last year. Um, but I don't really remember that. Yeah. It seems like at one point, there might've been like a group of people that like 
got together and fasted and prayed for a day or something at my church. That might have not been fasting, though. That might have been lunch. No. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what it was. Um, but, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of other interesting um, things about fasting in other Christian communities. Um, like, they'll do a big like group fast for a day or two or whatever. And then they'll like, you know, break it with a feast, like any other fasting period that people do, they always end it with a great feast. So I don't think I've ever experienced that, like a communal fasting and feast. I've just mm. experienced the feast part of that. <laughs> a couple of years ago i went to a an interfaith uh ramadan iftar the evening fast breaking um and mm. and you know in the spirit of doing that i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it you know from from you know sunrise to when we break the fast at the event and i mean the ramadan fast is a fast from food and water and I have no idea how anyone does it when Ramadan is in the summer. Because, like, mm. the last couple of years, yeah. it's been in the spring. And even that was tough. And I think I, like, even failed and, like, had to drink some water. But, wow. uh, yeah. like, kudos to to everyone who does Ramadan. Because that is, for a whole month, you're, you're doing it um, from sunup to sundown. And then these these awesome like community get together fast breaking meals uh it's it's mm. it's so cool especially because you're doing it before the sunrise you know at like three or four in the morning you you get together and then mm. you know when the sun goes down it's it's a great it's a great party it's a great time <laughs> with a lot of good food and and people hmm wow that's interesting yeah if you guys, our listeners and viewers, have any fasting practices from your own faith or even just a funny story or something, send it to us because, I mean, we're just, we just have our experiences, which doesn't sound that wide in variety of fasting, if you will, but um, yeah, we, we want to hear from you guys too. Um I remember our friend, I'm not going to name him, but he said he was like, uh, did a fast for a while. And then they went, went to eat at IHOP and like got, they all got sick from eating so much sugar after their fast, <laughs> which yeah. that kind of scares me after a fast, like just like binging after that. It's like. I think you you got to take it slow or like you're going to shock your system with food after nothing. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause like, what's the, what's the hardest discipline, the fasting or the, or the healthy breaking of the fast? Exactly. <laughs> like I said, after two days I ripped into a, after like chugging a bunch of water or something, I ripped into a frozen pizza or something. I don't, I think it was a frozen pizza. I don't remember exactly, but it was at midnight. I'm like, I'm starving. <laughs> it, it's interesting with, I mean, with my limited experience with the, the Buddhist version of fasting, like a little after, like you're so hyper where like, wow, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. This is, wow, this is wild. But then after a while, it's like, you're not hungry. You don't really care. And then in the morning, it was like, I guess like, yeah, I I don't feel hungry, but I'm going to eat something, you know? <laughs> I think like the hardest, the, like the hardest hitting effect that I had from fasting was like, not like my stomach growling or anything or like, man, I'm so thirsty, but like the energy level of my body was like way low. And I'm almost in like a daze sometimes. Like I was working those two days. I think it was the two days I was working at the time. Um, luckily, it was just like an office job, so I wasn't like running around or anything. But I was talking a lot, though. So 
that was a, that was really hard <laughs> um but like just like being like i mean i can feel myself not drinking water in like like half a day i'm like man i need to drink some water i'm like so out of it but like the two days were pretty uh intense to do that yeah i think i did slow like pace myself for like drinking like introducing water back into my system after a while i think i did pace myself on that i don't remember it was years ago (laughs) yeah you know it's like okay i'm getting a little hungry just take a little shot of sesame oil and (laughs) that would be kind of good <laughs> Especially if you're starving. Yeah. Uh <laughs> and the next Uposata is actually is uh is the biggest so the Uposata, you know, there's two every month if you do the new new moon, full moon. And a lot of the full moons like the full moons are when the big holidays happen. Mm. Um so February I think is like Sangha Day. Um, there's a, a a Dhamma day and a and the full moon in May is is uh, is Vesic, the the biggest Buddha holiday. Hmm. Um, and so that's like in two less than two weeks. It's Monday the sixteenth. Yeah, it's like a week and a half. Um so that's wow yeah it's me yeah <laughs> so that's coming up pretty pretty soon and pretty fast we'll probably what it's coming up pretty fast <laughs> i i'm sorry i didn't have as many puns as last episode i'm i'm starved of puns <laughs> you know we just had to work up an appetite towards it i guess <laughs> right exactly Uh, but but yeah i'm sure we'll probably do a special holiday episode near basic and go into a little more detail on that yeah definitely yeah i want to hear about that and our listeners definitely do too because i've been hogging the holiday episodes lately (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> so you'll get your shot. I'm not I'm not trying to withhold episodes from you and it's like almost like you're in a episode fast. Okay, it's so hard to make fasting puns. Like Yeah. Uh, I'm just empty of puns. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I'm trying to break my pun fast by throwing out some puns, but I guess I just got to pace myself. <laughs> it's not working. It really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I applaud you're not yelling at me. Um, so I think I'm trying to think of where we could go from here there with fasting but really like we're just running on empty (laughs) so does does fasting play an active part in your your practice so minus the several years ago so no not really there's not a huge emphasis in the church and i'm saying the church in general like in the baptist circles at least and the the grace believers, the grace churches out there too. I don't see a huge emphasis on fasting and it's more individualistic. Um, and I mean, personally, I don't fast a lot. Um, and I guess maybe I just, I don't have the, the, um, the dire need to, or anything like that. And maybe I should, but again, it's like a, it's more of a personal decision and up to your own discernment to do that. So, um, I don't see actively a lot of people doing it. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not doing it because you, again, like Jesus said, don't 
outwardly show that you're fasting. You're supposed to be like you're not fasting outwardly. So yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't see a whole lot of it personally. And, uh, it, it it also seems like a lot of Christianity, especially like Protestant Christianity, is very much less orthopraxic than you know than you know other traditions that might be very much more about what you do how you do it um, yeah well and that comes from the the prost the protesting of the church um and not that again not that the baptist lineage comes out of the protest the the protesting the protestants um it's semi-debatable but um yeah a lot of it is not focused on like the the like doing the practice by the book or like how people lay it out to do it um and so like if we do do it we do we do it but some even more like evangelical um modern churches will like kind of emphasize a form of fasting like oh you gotta fast from tv or the phone so yeah it's it's all it's different in so many different christian cultures um the closer you get to catholicism i think the more you would see practices like that um maybe like in like the lutheran church as well um you might see some of that some more of that as as you look around but um yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, we don't... I can't remember where I was going with that. Yeah, well... I was going to try to come up with a pun for fasting in response, but I can't. How about we fast from puns? <laughs> you hate me. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. No, but I think that is a great place to break the, not the fast, fasting episode, the, the cast, break the cast, break cast. <laughs> oh, um, I think we're going to stop there for now, guys. Um, this has been actually a faster or shorter episode, if you will. Um, and it's turned into a, a fast and furious episode. <laughs> I mean... I don't see prevalence of theory just yet. It's not there yet because I, I need to throw a little more puns out there real quick, but or real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll really see the theory. <laughs> you better run fast. <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. <laughs> oh. Well, guys, I, we want to hear from you. Even though next episode might won't be on this topic, we still want to hear and revisit the topics from your comments and your emails and messages. So feel free to hit us up on anything, really. Email you know, us love. at baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Have we checked the we, spam filter lately? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just about to say we love to hear, like, you know, if you want to, if you want to say something about episode one or episode two, season one, mm -hmm. you know, like it's never too late. We love talking about what we talked about in the past. So exactly. So if you us a reason to revisit. So right now, if you're listening to season one and you and you binge it enough and get to this point, it's like, oh yeah, I want to, I wanted to bring up something back in season one. Do it now. Baptistmoodis at gmail .com. And Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those places. Hit us up there. At us. At us, yes. At us. The ampersand. Um, no, that's not the ampersand. That's just the at symbol. What is that called? What is the at symbol called? Like, what's the at symbol? Technical term for it. Probably the at symbol. No, no, because it, I don't know. There has to be a name for it. It's it's called the something. I don't know what it is. If you guys know, let us know before before Brian finds it. Quick, 
Quick, let us know. Commonly called the at symbol. Commercial at or address sign. Commonly, but what's the technical term? I'm kidding. I'm not going to push it any more than that. Yep. Nope. Still no one telling us what it is, so I'll go with that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm starving for the answer. <laughs> oh, I found it. Yes. Breaking our at fast. <laughs> what is it? it? Come on. <laughs> you said you found just, it. Just wait, you know, just a little fast from the answer a little bit more. <laughs> I know, I said it's our at fast. It looks like people are calling it the Amphora. Oh my goodness. Okay. Sure. That did not satisfy my hunger. <laughs> For knowledge. But yeah, at us. Maybe that's not the real word. DM us. With drop, slide into our DMs. Um, and if you know any more about the at symbol, tell us. <laughs> Apparently, this is vital information. Well, it, it's a it's a conversation piece. <laughs> so, with that, guys, we are gonna call it, and we will see you guys next time. This has been the Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian, and go break that fast. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Bye.